Welcome back to Market on Close. I'm Tom White filling in for Oliver Rennick. But let's bring in our next guest, and that's going to be George Tillis, a contributor across the network, to take a look at some overlooked stocks. Welcome to the show, George. Good to be back with you, Tom. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Uh, markets are closed. Nice little rebound rally, but we're looking at some overlooked stocks that had some good days today. SailPoint Technologies, ticker symbol SAIL, up over 3% today. This is all about um, maybe enterprise uh, governance and enterprise uh, basically security. It should be doing well, George. What are you seeing here on SailPoint? Yeah, there's some interesting stuff going on with SailPoint. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, this is a company that does focus on uh, identity access uh, for enterprise solutions customers. It's in the realm, of course, of cybersecurity, but they do focus on that identity management. What that does is it gives uh, users like access provisions and security protocols, which again are customizable. So you can uh, you can of course identify uh, based on work workflows and of course assign identity and, and access codes to specific individual users. It's a little bit different than the uh, CyberArks or the Palo Altos of the world. Those companies do have identity solutions, uh, enterprise software within their cybersecurity, but SailPoint focuses more on the identity governance side of the cybersecurity area. So today uh, the stock was higher. I think it's part, of, part and parcel of the market, of course. Wells Fargo did, of course, upgrade the stock. They've got an overweight with a price target of $64. But I think what's happening here is, is that the analysts are now starting to recognize some of the laggard companies. And SellPoint has lagged some of their respective peers. And this includes companies like Fort, Fortinet, uh, CyberArk, uh, if you will. CrowdStrike is another name, which I know a lot of people are familiar with. But SellPoint, on a year-to-date basis, is actually down about 16%. So I think this is a situation where we're seeing a conversion because SellPoint had essentially been more of an on-premise based software and had some struggles and actually lagged its peers when it comes down to converting to hybrid, which means on-premise, on but also class. So I think what's happening here is as Wells Fargo is picking off that this is a company that is making a little bit more of a, a quicker shift uh, than uh, one had expected in the past to, of course, on, uh, off-premise cloud-based software as a service. And just to give you an idea of how it works, but what you want to do is, is when this transition occurs, you actually see top-line sales, which are real, relatively low. In this case, it was about 11% on a year-over-year basis reported last quarter. But what they did to note was they did meet the estimates for revenue and, of course, EPS. They guided a little bit softer on, uh, on EBITDA margins for the rest of the year. But within that report, when the company did report back in, uh, in, uh, in uh, August, they did re report average recurring revenue about 40% with subscription revenue now growing at 40%. And 60% uh, of that basically is, is SAS. So what we're actually seeing is embedded in the last earnings report, the company is actually showing some improving trends towards software as a service as, uh, on the cloud versus, again, strictly on-premise, and I think that's why Wells Fargo upgraded the stock, and maybe this is one of these lagging performers relative to their respective peers where they've got their act together. In other words, making a conversion to, uh, to cloud versus the on-premise, which again gives users flexibility, and I think that's, uh, that's optimal for a company like this. Yeah, George, and if you look at SailPoint, and, and you bring up that point uh, over the cloud versus in-person, 
Uh, and as companies reopen and get back to the offices and maybe you're you know, using your stuff at home, your technology at home, but then also using it in the office, is this a way for them to continue to expand uh, their product offering and, and uh, increase or uh, grow their footprint uh, in this particular space? It does, absolutely. And that's the thing. Flexibility is key, whether it's on-premise, off-premise, which, again, is the, the cloud hybrid, but also mobile, you know, mobile phones and, and such, uh, the software and security associated with, uh, with uh, remote, remote governance login is very important. And I think that's the focal point that SailPoint has essentially promised for a couple of years and seems to be manifesting now. And this is also a situation where the company itself has struggled from a profitability standpoint because, like I said, top-line sales last quarter were up 11%. Now, altogether, that's not great for a tech company. Uh, it's, it's good, I suppose, for maybe an industrial company. The profit margins last quarter were down about 16%. So what we're actually seeing is maybe the, uh, the worst of the bad quarters are done. And, and I think going forward, this is an interesting name to certainly take a look at, especially when you get average recurring revenue uh, and subscription revenue that's, uh, that's trending in the 40% range. And what that'll eventually do is bring up your, your not necessarily top line sales, but your EBITDA margins. And I think this is maybe why we're starting to see some coverage on the company after, after spending quite a bit of money to make this transition. All right, George, let's move on to our next one. Uh, and that's going to be something, you know, I just don't get, right? It's online fashion retailer for millennial and Generation Z consumers. Not my metrics at all. Uh, this is Revolve Group. Uh, RVLV is a ticker symbol. Rallied about 5% today. Uh, what do you see in here for this uh, online retailer? Yeah, I was going to say, you took the words out of my mouth, Tom. I don't get this uh, kind of retail either. But interesting enough, uh, it is an internet retail company, Revolve Group. They focus on millennials and, and Gen Z customers. This is where the trends are. This is where the spending habits are. So this is a company that basically focus on, focuses on more casual brands. But also, they've got a uh, division called Forward, which is a little bit more on the premium side. And it's important to have flexibility, meaning that they're selling a lot of volume on lower price point products, but also premium and luxury brands. Uh, if you, I went to their website because I had to figure out what they sell, and they sell about a thousand different brands. Uh, they have a lot of uh, eclectic and niche brands I've never heard of, but they also sell brands that are, are national brands and actually global brands like Nike and Levi. So uh, they seem to be well, uh, well encompassed in terms of the products they offer. Uh, now today, Webbush did upgrade the stock They've got a $72 price target uh, on the name. And uh, I think they're actually looking at not necessarily the consumer spending habits and social trends in fashion. A lot of influencers seem to be really on board with, uh, with Revolve Group's products, uh, Tom. But the financial fundamentals also make some sense. And I think if you look at gross margins at 55%, that's more in line with luxury retailers Profit margins around 15%, which far exceed companies like Ralph Lauren, even Nike. Uh, but I think if you look at the uh, the free cash flow to sales ratio, they're trending. The company is uh, in about 14% range for fiscal year 2021, and that's pretty impressive for uh, for any company. But it's also quite impressive for a retail outlet. So they seem to have scalability. They seem to be very nimble uh, and very flexible in the brands that they have, but they have the right niche in terms of fashion trends, premium, but also, uh, you know, the average consumer-based brands with lower price points. And with that blend, uh, they seem to be doing very well from a financial fundamental standpoint with also top-line sales trending around 60% year-over-year based on last quarter's metrics.
So, George, I see that they've got over 500 third-party brands, but are they scooping up a lot of these yeah. brands that were maybe down, downtrodden in the market or maybe gone bankrupt, where they can scoop them up at a cheap uh, level and then re, kind of rebrand them within this, uh, you know, the social media landscape and the influencer landscape yeah. where they, they can raise profit margins just because of the fact that they're really not based in stores, right? It's just uh, all uh, e-commerce. Right. That's exactly right. And that's where that's where you get these this margin profile that's rel relatively robust. I mean, you're talking net profits around 15%. And, and as I mentioned, when you've got, you know, third-party brands, 500, but 1,000-plus different brands, which include very, very specific niche brands. And niche brands themselves don't have a platform in the marketing budgets to sell in, in, in big scale or, or large volumes. And so they hook up with companies like Revolve Group, which aggregate all these smaller niche brands for distribution and sales. And of course, Revolve Group gets a, a commission or a cut of the, of the sales. So uh, I think what's happening is, is there's a lot of different uh, niche brands out there that need a platform, but also they need social media trends. And I think Revolve Group has done an exceptional job based on their metrics to do so. Uh, but there's a lot on their website. For those who are interested, you have to check it out. Uh, I'm not a Gen Z or, or a millennial, so it's too, uh, too fashionable for me. I'm old school. But at the end of the day, I think if you look at uh, what's happening, uh, uh, events, uh, they focus uh, on style events, you know, concerts, weddings, things like that. And I think people want to spend a little money to dress up now because of, uh, you know, being at home. And I think social events are, are areas where people are willing to spend a little money to, uh, to look good. And I think Revolve Group is, uh, is pretty much locked into this, uh, the, these trends. And these trends in retail can last for quite some time before, uh, before they fade out. Yeah, uh, I like those prof profit margins on that one. Uh, I know one of the stocks done really well so far this year. Uh, but we've got another stock to cover here, uh, George. Herc Holdings, HRI is a ticker, ticker symbol. Yeah. It was down on the day, but it hit another all-time high throughout the session, up over 150%, I believe, this year. Uh, they just raised their fiscal year 21 EBITDA view late last month. Uh, what are you seeing here on HRI? Well, we actually see Tom as a company that's on a year-to-day basis up 160%, and it's uh, it's a company that was spun off from Hertz Group uh, as basically a separate rental and leasing services company. It's the third largest now in the United States, behind the publicly traded United Rentals, which I'm sure a lot of people are, are aware of or know, uh, and, a, and a privately trade a private, privately held company called Sun Sunbelt. But basically, the equipment that they lease uh, are in specialty machinery areas, aerials, which are boom lifts uh, for things like the uh, construction industry, but also for the entertainment business, like the movies business, uh, materials handling, environmental solutions, equipment, industrial and energy are another uh, few areas that the business is uh, leasing equipment into. But it's hitting you all time highs. And if you look at the chart compared to United Rentals, it's done exceptionally well, especially since uh, the, uh, the EBITDA guidance on their investor day. I mean, their guidance went from around 12 to 15 percent. And this is a pretty significant increase already from 12 to 15 percent to 17 to 20 percent up till 2022. Last quarter, their, their net profit margin was only 9 percent. So they were already trending higher, but then they adjusted it higher. And you can actually see a stair step in the chart associated with that uh, with the, uh, the EBITDA guidance that was ratcheted to the upside. But but overall, it's got a gross margin and profitability margin profile less than United Rentals, which is about five times the size of Herc. But I think what we're actually seeing here is a, a potential for margin expansion and growth expansion, because this is a company 
that doesn't have uh, the same scalability and presence that United Rentals has. But I think it's becoming a, a company that's a growth story within the uh, the rental leasing equipment space. So overall, the trends are still moving to the upside. We're seeing a ratcheted a ratcheted move in EBITDA margins. And I think uh, as an alternative United Rentals from a return on equity standpoint, uh, maybe investors see some opportunities for market share gains. And maybe that's why it's higher relative to United Rentals over the last year. And its revenue growth, by the way, is trending about uh, about 40% higher than United Rentals, around 32% last quarter versus URI's 18%. So it's going to be growing a little bit faster. Uh, and I think uh, it's being rewarded from a multiple expansion standpoint by investors. Now, if you look at that uh, from the point of an investor looking at these two companies, because URI hasn't underperformed uh, you know, the overall market that, that right. much at all, but if you look right. at it, it's all based on demand where, hey, Herc might be a little bit smaller, a little bit more nimble, maybe not have the overhang uh, on wage increases and employees uh, and things of that nature, which are going to allow Herc to be a little bit more nimble and get in there and get those higher margins. I definitely agree with that, Tom, because you got to look at, you know, there's a lot of demand for equipment, especially when it comes down to the environmental either remediation, waste disposal, um, you know, but the, there's an oil spill out in, in California. There's a lot of demand for environmental equipment, especially when it comes to the energy sector. And I think right now at the margin, Herc is probably getting some additional pricing power because of demands uh, in the energy equipment uh, space, but also for infrastructure and construction altogether. So when you lag your, your larger competitor, uh, a small bump in pricing can certainly impact your EBITDA margins much greater than the larger competitor. And I think that's why we're seeing an outperformance in the name. But overall, uh, these two companies are both trending well, and uh, United Rentals, of course, being the larger of the two. But Herc, it looks like to me, from an outperformance standpoint, means that uh, they seem to have a little bit more margin expansion uh, building into them, especially after the guidance they gave, which was uh, considerably higher then last quarter's uh, uh, net profit margins, but also they gave guidance all the way out to 2022, which again uh, is a feel-good situation for investors. And I think that's why we saw that nice uh, additional move in the last month or so. Yeah, and I think uh, if you take a look at that, maybe a little bit of profit taking today, because uh, if you looked at it on uh, you know maybe a yeah. technical basis, uh, RSI was above 80. Uh, it sold off about nine bucks from those all-time highs throughout the session. Ended up in the red, uh, but a good performer so far this year, an outstanding performer so far this year. All right, George, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, great breakdown of these overlooked stocks. Appreciate it.